Hello and welcome to Cooking the Ball with the Post Truth Apocalypse. I'm Ben, as always, I'm hanging out with Mike. Hello. Claire. Hey. And Pete. Hello. This week is a movie episode. We're talking about the 1976 film The Network. Just network, I think it is. Oh, network. Yeah, network. No, so. You do apologise. Network it is an 8.1 on IMDb. Hmm. Mm. Very generous. I think it's because of what it's saying. There's a message. You yeah, know? I, think it's I, a good I, I understand the message, I do. You know, the media's bad. But if you do suffer from insomnia... <laughs> well because it's the 70s, mate. They don't make the films like that anymore. They don't take their time. Introduce it slowly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Attention spans were longer in the 70s. Yeah, yeah I had a bit of a snooze, didn't I? <laughs> no. Faded away, kept me awake. <laughs> but enough of that. Let's thank some new returning listeners and then we'll get into it. Very quickly. Cool. There we go. New Rochelle in New York, Quincy in Massachusetts, Swing Dongu in the Republic of Korea. Oh, that's a new one. Yeah. Toulouse in France. Bonjour. Francis is back. Where? Massachusetts. Bengaluru, India, you're always there. Romford in the UK. Frankfurt and Maine. Judy Poznan in Poland. Love your celebration. Yeah. Steele, Missouri. Hearn Bay in the UK. Belfast in the UK. Henley on Thames. Ashburn, Virginia. Guadalajara, Spain. And Dublin, Ireland top. What was that reference? Love your celebration. The Poznan. It's their football club has a specific celebration. Oh, okay. They all turn around and jump. It is the most ridiculous. Hands. Holding the arms on the shoulders. Right. Yeah. And Man City copied it. Yeah, they... Man City copied it. So you're like paying 50 quid a ticket after the game, you're not even watching no, it. No, they don't do it all. It's only when the goal goes in. It's only when they score a goal. When they're like winning like 3 or 4 nil, and they what? want to do it. <laughs> 3 or 4 nil. what's it matter? Yeah, but they turn their back to the goal and all sort of jump up and down. It's like, it, it looks cool, but you're missing the game. <laughs> <laughs> So you'd be the only guy in the crowd <laughs> stood face in front. Pay fucking sixty quid for this ticket. <laughs> watching every fucking minute of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a valid point, I guess. So right, the network. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Faye Dunaway's in this movie. God, she still looks good. Too name. skinny for me. She looks amazing still. William Holden is Max Schumacher. Peter Finch is Howard Beale. Robert Duvall is Frank Hackett. Those are the main characters. It's your big four. It's directed by Sidney Lumet. And they won a few Oscars, didn't they? They did win a few Oscars, yes. Sadly, Peter Finch passed away after making the film. He was the first to win it posthumously, wasn't he? Yes. It was not so, oh, 24 Oscars. 20 wins, 27 nominations in the end. What were the Oscars? Best actor in a leading role, best actress in a leading role. Best actress in a supporting role. Best writing screenplay written directly for the screen. Mm. And then they had yeah. lots and lots of nominees. How many did it actually win? Four. Out of? Twenty. Yeah. Still quite a few. Not bad though. So the film opens on a wall of four colour television monitors, each displaying the evening network news on the four networks. I mean, immediately you're watching it and it's out of date. Oh yeah. yeah. It looks like he's sat in some kind of weird sauna. <laughs> he's got that panel in behind him with the TV and you're like, is he just doing this for a sauna? Has he got his shorts on underneath there? <laughs> the story is about Howard Beale, who was the network news anchorman on UBS TV. In his time, Howard Beale had been a, mand- a mandarin of television, the grand old man of the news, with a hut rating of 16 and a 28 audience share. That's pretty, pretty good. Pretty well, assuming that means a percentage, is that when they say, like, this 
they've got a 28 and a 40 and all this. Are they talking about percentage of Must viewing be. Yeah. ratings for that time? Or? In 1969, his fortunes began to decline. He fell to a 22 share, so he's losing ratings. And the following year, his wife died and he was left a childless widower with an 8 rating and a 12 share. He became morose and isolated and began to drink heavily. And on September 22nd, 1975, he was fired, effective in two weeks. The news was broken to him by Max Schumacher, who was president of the news division at UBS. And they got properly pissed and he told him, he said, he wouldn't turn sober, would he? No. He, yep. tell, he tells an awful joke. He's, always, he's, he's got a certain <laughs> joke he likes to tell, hasn't he? It makes no sense. Yeah, it's just one of them old news guy stories that you have to laugh at, otherwise you get fired. <laughs> As a bar in the early hours of the next morning, the unstable Beale threatens to kill himself right in the middle of his news broadcast. He's quoting, I'm going to kill myself, I'm going to blow my brains out right on the air, right in the middle of the 7 o'clock news. Max flippantly remarks it would boost ratings, not taking seriously, not taking the threat seriously. So, ah, he's just drunk, he's a bit dead, would it be fine in the morning? But Max then goes on, you get a hell of a rating, 50 share easy, we can make a series of it, suicide of the week. Oh, execution of the week, terrorist of the week. Yeah, we'll call it the death hour. <laughs> great... She's inventive, isn't she? Yeah, it's him. Oh, it's him? Yeah, it's the old guy. This is a great Sunday night show for the whole family. <laughs> yeah, right fucking Disney right off the air. I love it. So we go to the, the next day. Howard is made up in a small network muse makeup room. He takes a sip of booze and proceeds to the studio for the 7 o'clock news. During the beginning of the broadcast, the network's Washington correspondent makes a follow-up report on the attempted assassination of President Ford in San Francisco on the previous day. When Bill begins the evening news show, he tells his viewers off from his script that he has been fired and will commit suicide during his final broadcast a week later. Says he'll do it live on air, didn't he? Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, I would like to this moment to announce that I'll be retiring from this programme in two weeks' time because of poor ratings. Since this show was the only thing I had going for in my life, I have decided to kill myself. I'm going to blow my brains out right on this programme a week from today. Tune in next Tuesday. That should give the public relations people a week to promote that show. We already got a hell of a rating out of that. <laughs> a 50 share easy. I love it because they're sort of fighting away from the desk. And at one point he's like bent forward over yeah. it and they've like got his arms behind his back. And he's just screaming. Yeah. And then it cuts to the video, video difficulties are temporary. <laughs> Please do not adjust your set. <laughs> yeah, he gets a bit crazy manic, doesn't he, towards the end of that so bit? like fighting him yeah. and shit, doesn't he? Gets a good punching on one of them, if I remember rightly. <laughs> so, of course, he's immediately fired, and so is... Max Schumacher. Yeah, Max Schumacher. Yeah, okay. yeah Max Schumacher and, and Beale. And Frank Hackett, who's played Robert Duvall. Always good Robert Duvall, isn't he? Whenever you see him. He's, he's got to handle this, he's the VP. So he's stuck, there's 100 reporters downstairs, Bealston the build, and he has to fight his way through. You know, he's going, going to make a brief statement at the end of that show that Howard's been under great personal stress. And he ex Hackett explodes at Schumacher, saying, I've had it up to here with your cruddy division, it's annual $33 million deficit. He's been bought in for that reason, hasn't he? News doesn't make money. Every well, corporation kind of took that hit. It does now. It does now. Yeah, but in, the, in them days, it didn't, they, like you said, they took the hit. Yeah. It's for public good, public consumption. It, you know, it's not meant to be profit-making. But, but it's not meant to be draining the money either, because 33 million in them days, a lot of money especially. 
but they yeah. accepted it. They did. It was like you know. But I think that I think that had got to the the point of boiling, isn't it? At that at that thirty three million, they'll look at thirty three million deficit now. It's got to change. Well, what you've got to look at is it's been bought out, and yeah. it's obviously a corporation running it now. Corporations don't like things that lose money, no. even though the traditional TV business was like, oh, well, we'll cover that because it's the news, it's a public service, we need to educate people. We, we're holding the government to account for the people, yeah. that's the point of the, the free media. So it was like, well, that's a noble thing to do, we'll take the hit. And now it's a total different change of thinking. Now it's like, you can't lose money, it's got to make profit. You've got to get the sponsors on board to, to make the money. How do you make it profitable? That's sexy, it up, isn't it? That's Advertisements as well. But the only way to advertise it is by sexing it up to get people to. That's want it, sensationalise it. it. Yeah. Mm. If it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. And we can kill it. And you can you can tell how. What's that film with Ron Burgundy? Anchorman. Anchorman, I was just to say that. Anchorman, rips, Anchorman 2 rips this off, basically. I haven't watched it, I don't think, Anchorman 2. Oh, it's great. The first one was better. I quite like the second one, it's wacky. Yeah, they're both all right, though. They're both great. The spit with the shark in the middle kind of derails the movie a bit yeah. <laughs> they're just typical Will Ferrell movies, aren't they? That's, that's it, really, with them. That's why I haven't watched it, he annoys me. Oh, Will Ferrell annoys you. That's tragic. No. Mm. Fucking Ron, Ron Robert Snyder's all right. I think he annoys a lot of women, to be fair. I know a lot of women that don't like Will Ferrell. I think, I well, I think he's... I think, I think he's a man... I think men tend to like him more than women. Mm. I could be wrong on that. I just know quite a few women that don't like him. Fair enough. Now, the next day in the projection room, Schumacher meets casually dressed Bill Heron from the West Coast Special Programs Department and the new VP of Programming, Diana Christensen, played by Fade Away. They're watching a screen of a film. It's a documentary that depicts a black woman in a panel discussion from the David Susskind show with other urban griller types. And they're like a bit of communist on there. Like, oh, the Communist Party believes the most pressing political necessity today is the consolidation of the revolutionary, radical and democratic movements into a united front. She's spouting off the usual Marxist yeah, yeah. lines. Taking the piss out of the radical left, aren't they? It was a thing to do with the Patty Hearst kidnapping when she got Stockholm Syndrome and started robbing banks with the kidnappers. Mm-hmm. The second clip is something really sensational, the Flagstaff Independent Bank of Arizona was ripped off by a terrorist group called the Ecumenical Liberation Army and they took movies of the rip-off of the rip and Diana loves that, she wants to bring them on the news. Yeah. So yeah, I'll get us ratings, a live bank robbery, maybe we can even like, you know, get in touch with them and get their footage like direct from yeah. them. Start having like a direct feed, basically. But, but how irresponsible is that? Yeah, they're basically, they'd be basically funding and, and giving the ability or helping. They're, they're, well, they'd be aiding and abetting, surely. Yeah, they'd give it a exposure. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking shocking. <laughs> a shocking thought, but yeah. But it's no different to us, our media going out filming the war in Afghanistan. And sit with the Taliban like chopping the heads off. It's no, yeah, it's no different, really. Is it? I thought they recorded that themselves the and then sent it out to us. Well, yeah, but they had their own like media teams, didn't they? That would do that person, like that would be their job. They'd be like the propaganda media teams and things. Well, like they didn't that. have to show it, did they? So it boils down to. So as they're doing all this, Max takes a conference call from the executive producer and Howard, who begs for another shot so he can end his career by making amends with a little bit of dignity. 
You know, he doesn't want to go out like a clone. I'll be simple, dignified. He's been here 11 years. So they give him another chance, which is a mistake. Let's face it. Give, Why do they give, they give him a chance? They give him the chance just to say goodbye, don't they? It's like, because it, he's been fired, he's accepted that. But they're giving him a quick brief stint just to say his goodbye dignified, isn't he? Yeah, that's what he says when he goes on the news. <laughs> Good evening. Today is Wednesday, September the 24th. And this is my last broadcast. Yesterday I announced on this programme that I was going to commit public suicide. Admittedly, an act of madness. Well, I'll tell you what happened. I just ran out of bullshit. <laughs> bullshit is all the reasons we give for living. And if we can't think up any reason our own, we always have the God bullshit. I don't know why the hell we're going through all this pointless pain, humiliation, decay. So there better be someone in, somewhere who know, who does know. That's the God bullshit. And if you don't like the God bullshit, how about the man bullshit? Man is a noble creature that can order his order his own world. Who needs God? Well, if there's anybody out there who can look around this demented slaughterhouse of a world we live in and tell me that man is a noble creature, believe me, that man is full of bullshit. Mm. I don't have any kids, and I was mad for 33 years of shrill, shrieking fraud, so I don't have any bullshit left. I just ran out of it, you see? Brilliant. And he gets fired again. Get <laughs> fired. And then Max, I mean, Max Schumacher speak, gets fired as well. the truth, isn't he? Yeah. Howard Beale, though, has become a darling of the media at this point. Because they're like, wow, look at this guy. The phones are going crazy. Yeah, so he's obviously... On air in that, wasn't both, he? Both he and Max are immediately rehired because, hey... They, had, they hadn't even left the building, basically. They, they got fired, and then within ten minutes, they were like, oh, actually, hold on, come back a minute, because these phones are going wild. That's it. Howard speaks behind a, a crushing tide of cameras phone in his last broadcast. He says, every day, five weeks a day for 15 years I've been sitting behind that desk. The dispassionate pundit reportedly reporting with seem, seemly detachment the daily parade of lunacies that constitute the news and just, wanted to, and just once I wanted to say what I really felt. Diana watches that and she's like, hmm, I like it. This is Faye Dunaway's character. Yes. She's the driving force about sort of keeping him, keeping him on now, isn't she? Well, of course, because she's noticed a bump in the viewing figures. She sees him and she says this to Hackett, the VP. He's a latter-day prophet, a magnificent messianic figure, inveighing against the hypocrisies of our times. I love it. <laughs> yeah, but it's all like sad, and that's why I think that Howard's. Ah, oh, he's kind of a hypocrite in a way. Go on. Well, he was gonna. He's you know he's been fired and he's had a shit time in his personal life and maybe he should have been fired. But his job is to get ratings and if he's not getting ratings, then they're within their rights. But say I'm gonna kill myself to oh you know I've run out of bullshit to go to get like it's almost like he's been think of it in wrestling terms mm -hmm. right. <laughs> oh, God. If a character's not doing well. That character goes away for a bit, and if they decide to keep him, they reinvent him, they'll give him a new name, a new look, new gimmick. Yeah. And that's kind of what they're doing to Howard. He's, a, he's the mad prophet now, and he's just buying into it because that's all he's got left in his life. But he's still taking that corporate shilling that he's just said was full of bullshit. Yeah, but he's taking the corporate shilling, but he's telling the truth. He's telling their truth. No, he's telling. He's telling the truth. He's telling, well, he's telling his <laughs> truth. He's Look telling his world. truth. But it is. It is fucking but crazy. They're not going to let him go bullshit. too mad with it, are they? As we see. What do you want about them? But let them go fucking wild. They do for a bit. Yeah. At the end of the film, they're not. Mm. I 
that's because he changes his tune. We'll get into that. Later. Yeah. Let's go to Howard's. I mean, Max, to be fair, thinks Howard's mentally ill and shouldn't be doing it. He's like, you're having a breakdown. Do not go <laughs> on the air tonight. And he's like, no, no, I'm fine. Doesn't he think he's been hearing voices and sort of being told? He's been he's speaking to God. That's it. That's it. That's where it's sort of like, I was just like, oh dear. <laughs> he has a vision, doesn't he, at night? He wakes up in the middle of the night, basically, and he's like, you see him lying there in his bed, like, almost like he's communicating with somebody, and then there's nobody there, obviously, and then obviously he then reiterates what he, the conversation he had, basically, doesn't he, the night before from this. Yeah. So basically, Max goes to Diana, they the faded away and says like look if you're going to turn this into a freak show we can have my resignation she then manages to turn that around and ends up seducing a married man married for 25 years and just ends up seducing even though she says like, yeah, I've had a school girl crush on you saw you speak when I was at university and he just goes yep okay yeah. <laughs> I've liked you for years basically yep yeah married for 25 years 25 years yeah and that's all kids. it took that was all it took he was like what she's like 20 I'll do Look, she's at 25. Bang. He must be 70 if he's getting... He's going to be getting on a bit, hasn't he? I'd say she was, what, in her mid She was in her 30s, yeah. wasn't she? I'd say she was 20. No, not 20. She's only going to be college. Mid-30s, I'd say. He, he's got to be getting on for... He's going to be pushing 70. He's yeah. well in his 60s, easily. Mm, late 50s at the least. Yeah. I, I mean, I know that the profit that she so says... People didn't they, back <laughs> in the day? <laughs> That she'd have a, an affair with a middle-aged, craggy old man. That's right, a gypsy woman told her. <laughs> but he's a lot older than middle-aged, isn't he? Yeah. He's very craggy, though, isn't he? He's yeah. very craggy. <laughs> very craggy. Right. <laughs> Max proposes the next news broadcasting will be straight news because he's killing the whole screwball, angry prophet thing. Howard, however, believes he has been inspired by a shrill, sibilant, faceless voice that awakened him from sleep and gave him a mission on television to tell the people the truth. Yeah, Max thinks he's having a breakdown. Howard says, No, this is not a psychotic episode. This is a cleansing moment of clarity. I am imbued, Max. I am imbued with some special spirit. It's not a religious feeling at all. It is a shocking eruption of great electrical energy. I feel vivid and flashing as if, it's sudden, as if suddenly I have been plugged into some great electromagnetic field. I feel connected to all living things, to flowers, birds, to all the animals of the world, and even to some great unseen living force. The Matrix. What I think the Hindus call prana. It is not a breakdown. I have never felt more order in my life. It is a shattering and beautiful sensation. It is the exalted flow of the space-calm continuum, save that it is, it is spaceless and timeless and, and of such loveliness. I feel on the verge of some great ultimate truth, and you will not take me off the air for now or for any other space this time. Sounds like he's having a breakdown to me. Oh, he's reached enlightenment. Sounds fucking amazing, doesn't it? Yeah, but he probably hasn't reached enlightenment. <laughs> Why not? Well, he's just lying in the bed and he's awoken from his sleep by the Buddha. Could How be. to know what enlightenment is? We're not enlightened. Well, what the Buddhists well put. say are enlightened is enlightenment. Fucking wind's picking up, isn't it, guys? If you can hear it, I'm afraid we're getting another storm. So, <laughs> you, yeah. might, you might hear it in the background. The tree might fall down and or we'll all get killed, but we'll be all right. We'll, we'll try and carry on, Phil. Is there such a thing as spontaneous enlightenment? They say it can't happen to some people, just instantaneously. Well, whenever, however, whenever. So it's uh, like yeah. a bolt from the blue. You don't have to be doing a trance or praying or anything. No. It just, just happens. 
You can just happen here, there's such a thing apparently. Wait! Hold on! <laughs> Hold on! I'm seeing like a... No, you're not. <laughs> there's, like a, there's like a face, but there's no face. I can see a head, but there's no head there. Yeah, he's talking to me. Okay, all oh, right. It's all clear now, guys. Right, great, great. Peaks the new Messiah, fantastic. It's all clear. I've just had one. Fuck me. I see what you're saying, yeah? Yeah, I believe now. What's that giant floating head? Peaks full of shit. Well, he believes. <laughs> he definitely believes something's happened to him. Yeah. You can have a mental breakdown. He's off the booze. Could be that, yeah. Could see, be. that that's a good point. If he was heavily on the booze, this is just detox for him <laughs> that's what's happening to him and in detox he's having hallucinations there's people that say they have this ayahuasca trip isn't it and they everything becomes clear in their life mm. and they see a cosmic jester yeah perhaps something like that's happened to him somehow he almost spiked his drink maybe nah had a bit of DMT woken himself up <laughs> well Max gets called in Max Schumacher gets called in into the office in the morning by Hackett and he says Scott ratings have skyrocketed affiliates according to fan mail is piling up the son of a bitch is a hit god damn it over 2,000 phone calls and at this minute over 14,000 telegrams the response is sensational we've even got an editorial in the New York Times <laughs> so because he asks everybody to send a telegram doesn't he oh that's later on so oh. that's his first rant oh right that was after he's really mad oh really mad Max is still not happy, he still thinks they're treating Howard like a circus freak. Mm. Yep. So he you know, walks towards work, he's wearing a brown overcoat over his pyjamas. <laughs> it's crazy, he's walking in the rain in his pyjamas, he just gets yeah. up and goes, doesn't he? Yeah. Well, he was, he was taken back I didn't even know to... If he, I didn't even know if he was due on. He was taken back to Max's house. He was taken house, back to Max's house because he passed out, didn't he, whilst yeah. he was having like some rant. rant. And he was just like caught in the moment, and then he, he passed out at the end of the rant, didn't he? And then Max and Max's wife, it was his wife, wasn't mm -hmm. it? Yeah, because this was before the affair came out and things, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, probably tells her. Yeah, yeah she's they, only on they screen. took him home, didn't they? She's only on screen for five minutes. Yes, yeah. And she won an Oscar for it. Mad, isn't it? It's the shortest time in it, wasn't it? Mad, that. Screen time, yeah. It shows the impact that she made as I think it was the heartfelt yeah. performance of when she found out. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That did That's it for her, yeah. didn't it? But yeah, so we, they take him back to their place, don't they? Because they're yeah. worried about him. He's passed out, so they stick him on his couch. Then he wakes up. It's pissing down the rain, and he just gets up in his pajamas. Don't he? he puts his mac on <laughs> yeah. and fucks off. I don't even know if he's meant to be there. It never made that clear. He just turned yeah. up. He's like, I've got stuff to say. No, they do say they take him back, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. To Max's, and it was just at the time of his. Was it? Would it have been his show? He gets the show. Yeah, this is the you're the mad mad TV prophet now. Because <laughs> he he walks he walks all the way to where they record, doesn't he? He does the first station. one in his desk, doesn't he? Yeah, but when and he's then he gets the big stage show in his pajamas, yeah. he just walks off, doesn't he? Walks all the way to the station in his pajamas, walks into the station. And yeah, just he like, says, "I must make my witness." That's right. <laughs> and whoever was on air at the time just kind of gets pushed off the seat, and they sit him down, yeah. soaking wet, sock fucking yeah. in his pajamas, basically, <laughs> looking like a madman, <laughs> completely. <laughs> you know, and he goes and he delivers the nation's battle cry. Oh, I love this. And this is probably mm -hmm. the my favorite speech of the film. To be fair, this, this is. This is famous. This is the only bit in the film that I recognise. Yeah. Because I've heard it 
As long as you had seen this film, I'd only no, But I'd certainly heard this quote at least yeah. two different programmes. I'm not sure if The Simpsons have done this, but... Oh, more than likely. I've, I still, for the, for the life of me, cannot remember where I'd heard it from. Yeah, but now you know where it's from, eh? Yeah, You understand yeah. the context of it all. So the network executives track the responses as he launches into his rage-filled monologue. I don't have to tell you things are bad. Everybody knows things are bad. It's a depression. Everybody's out of work or scared or lose, of losing their job. The dollar bars of nickels worth. Banks are going bust. Shopkeepers keep a gun under the counter. Punks are running wild in the street and there's no one, anyone who seems to know what to do and there's no end to it. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat. And we sit watching our TVs or some local newscaster tells us today that we have 15 homicides and 63 violent crimes. As if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad. Worse than bad. They're crazy. And it's like everything everywhere is going crazy. So we just don't go out anymore. We stay in the house and slowly the world we are living in is getting smaller. And all we say is, please at least just leave us alone in our living rooms. Let me have my toaster and my TV and my steel belted radials and I won't say anything. Just leave us alone. Well, I'm not going to leave you alone. I want you to get mad. I don't want you to protest. I don't want you to riot. I don't want you to write to your congressman because I know I wouldn't know what to tell you to write. I don't know what to do with the depression and the inflation and the Russians and the crime in the street. All I know is that first you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm a human being, goddammit. My life has value. So I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I want you to get up right now and go out the window. Open it and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. I want you to get up right now. Sit up. Go to your windows, open them and stick your head out and yell, I'm as mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Things have got to change but first you've got to get mad. You've got to say, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. And then we'll figure out what to do about the depression and the inflation and the oil crisis. But first, get out of your chairs, open the window and stick your head out and yell and say it. I am mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. But what's funny here is as he's saying this, he's giving this speech, it starts panning around to living rooms and things like that within America. And not just America, I guess, wherever it's being listened. Or, well, no, it it's probably America. It's America. It would just be America, wouldn't it, of course. Sky's not a thing at this no, point. No, no. But, yeah, and people are, like, sat there and they're listening. They all start getting up and Max is sat with... Was it Max? Family, yeah. With his, yeah. Family, his daughter and his wife. And his daughter just gets up and he's like, What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm going to the window and hear, I want to hear if anybody else is shouting kind of thing. And then she opens the window. But then before you know it, you, like, everyone, like, yeah. every street, the street every street, like, you could hear at least two or three people. And then it starts growing and growing. And yeah. everyone's just shouting out the window. It's quite funny. <laughs> yeah. It's a brilliant speech as well with that, Ben. Mm. Yeah. Thank you. I, I channeled him. He's I had been, a vision. He's been sat... Fucking practicing that. <laughs> <laughs> nope. Yes, he, you know. He lies like a cheap Russian watch. <laughs> you leave my Rolex ski out of this. <laughs> I think it's reminiscent of today as well. You know, the yeah, Russian. Of course, it's, it's changed, is it? No, nothing. Nothing's changed. No, the things have always been shit. This is like he's trying to tell people. Forty-five years <laughs> on, yeah. Just, yeah they've always now, been shit. But now we've got climate change. Yeah, but it's just another, it's just another shit cherry on top of the shit cake, isn't it? It's the ultimate shit cherry, though, isn't it? You know, it's like, well, yeah, we had nuclear war in the eighties. That was the that was a shit cherry on the cake. Well, it's just been relegated slightly. 
Especially with aliens then you've buzzing got, around now. Yeah, yeah. Alien war coming next. That's the yeah. shit cherry on the shit cake. I don't want to fight an alien war. You are. They're going to give you an exosuit. Oh, they've got a bad name. <laughs> too much shame. Sorry, exosuit. Ex- ex- they've got something. I don't mean I just want one of the loaders from aliens. <laughs> they put me in the forlorn oh. hope, wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah. Give me one of them loaders from aliens. I need more than that. <laughs> nah, I'll be alright. I've got a couple of iron bars. One of those ones in Edge of Tomorrow. (laughs) That's what you're allowed for. I've been working on that stuff for years, mate. It's probably come from crashed alien technology. We're not going to get that, are we? Of course they will. Everyone will have one. The proper army will have that. We'll just have a black armour and a knife. (laughs) (laughs) That we've made out of a fallen piece of steel. It's a jagged bit of steel that we found somewhere. (laughs) It's my machete. What are you on about? I sharpened it on the curve. That's all we'll have. No, I mean, I edit tomorrow. Everyone will have the exosuits because it makes anyone into an instant soldier, doesn't it? Too expensive. They'll be mass producing that shit by this point. Not the aliens are bombing them. How do you know they haven't been mass producing them for years? (laughs) Well, let's hope so. (laughs) We're fucked otherwise. Diana determines that the show is being beamed live to 67 affiliates, including Atlanta and Louisville and speaks by phone to the general manager of the USB affiliate of Atlanta. She's delighted the yelling Howard's words in Baton Rouge and explains wildly as she tosses the phone into the air, son of a bitch, we struck the mother load. That's all she cares about, isn't it? Yeah. Doesn't care about his welfare or how ridiculous a pantomime it is. All she cares about is them numbers. She doesn't even care what he's saying, does she? No. The, the, thing is, the, the pantomime of it is nothing compared to what it becomes very shortly. Because <laughs> yeah. at the minute, he is still sat in a newsroom. It's a normal old newsroom. He's got the fucking... News, he's got his sauna behind him. He's got the news sign behind him kind of thing. And, and, and he's sat at a desk. Simple as that. Roll five minutes into the future. Yeah. <laughs> and then we've got a pod- podium, a raised stage. He's our studio audience. It's And it's not just him anymore, is it, either? No, we've got a, a, an occultist who's predicting stuff. We've just turned the news into a circus. It's turned it into a proper weirdo show. It's almost like a game show, freak show kind of thing, the way... It... With septic peg. Yeah, yeah. septic peg. <laughs> What, was the other, the other guy that was a couple of people? Skeletons in the closet. Whatever that was. That's right, I was about revealing dirty secrets, wasn't it? Mm. Oh, that could work. That, that would work over here. I mean, it's so pathetic, this yeah. film, isn't it? Look yeah. at what our news has become. Well, it's like they had the vision of what it was becoming. Yep. Simple as. It, all, it was all because of that change from wanting the news to make profit. And I think that's what... That's the only then, thing I of course, enjoyed. They're then beholden to the advertisers that advertise on the news. Mm-hmm. Lockheed Martin, they're not going to talk shit about them. This is what I enjoyed Big about farmer. the film. I found that. I thought you said Pig Farmer then. <laughs> <laughs> What's a Pig Farmer got to do with anything? <laughs> but that's what I liked Big, about Pig it. Farmers. Big Pig Farmer. <laughs> Sorry, people. It's all right, man. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> ben distracted us with my deafness. <laughs> but that's what I liked about the film, the fact that it's all pretty relevant to how it's turned out. Yeah. And yeah, They're not far wrong at all, really. And Alex yeah. Jones is not far away from what Howard Bale becomes, is it? No. Well, okay, he's not on the news news, but he was at a big platform for a long time. He certainly did. We cut to where um, now to Diana, and she's interested. She she's speaking with the representation of what they call the Ecumenical Liberation Army. 
And she's trying to cut a deal with him, basically. I want your footage. I'm going to do a show on you. You know, you look at we're getting your message out. Here's some money. It will pay you. 30 to 50 million people. And if you're trying to get a picture of, what are they called? The Ethnochemical. Yeah. Ecumenical liberation. Them people. Oh, I mean, they're like picture something out of the film The Warriors, like one of the gangs. Yeah. Out of there. That's essentially what it is. Well, the great Ahmed Khan, the leader, he's got the, like an 18th century hussar shaka one for some reason. Yeah. You know, they're all not mad as fuck, don't they? But I tell you what, he's got a brilliant voice, though. <laughs> I will tell you what, they don't mind taking that corporate shit in a bit. Soon betray their communist principles there, don't they? Very much so. It's another truth, isn't it? Money corrupts everything. Yep. So many truth bombs in this film, isn't there? Yep. Let's go to the next show. The network news hour has been enlarged to increase the audience share by including in its format a fortune teller, a yellow journalist, a gossip columnist, and Beale, who is billed as the mad prophet of the airwaves. Alex Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Sybil the Soothsayer. That's it. That's it. Jim Webbing and it's, it's the M's Truth Department. Miss Mary, Mata Harry and her skeletons in the closet. And another segment of Vox Populi was the Truth of the People. Mm. In Latin, I think, maybe. And starring the mad prophet of the airways, Howard Beale. And he comes on stage, he's got a black suit, white shirt, black tie. There's like a mess messianic figure in front of a colourful stained glass mm. window, making her to be like a fucking prophet. Yeah. Mm. He's basically televangelism. Did you mention that fucking turd Pat Robinson died? We did. Thank God for that. Did we? Mm-hmm. When did we imagine that? Last week. Last week. Who's he? Briefly. He was a, a very prominent televangelist who actually ran for president. He would have turned America into like the Taliban, basically, if he'd have got in. Mm-hmm. This is where he lost me, really, because at first I was just like, oh, he's talking some truth, he's, okay. you know. But then when it went all sort of... It went a bit televangelist. Yeah, it I was just like a bit, bit biblical and sort of like, like you know. I think that was just them trying to manipulate it. Right. Okay. Although he, he but then he, but he, he does say sing God, doesn't he? Face of good. No, actually, he said he hasn't seen God. No, he said that himself, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. He says it later on, after he has that meeting with the big boss. That's when he says he's seen the face of God. So he was speaking to him in the bedroom then. It wasn't God. His own head. <laughs> Most likely. Yeah. An angel. Mm. A demon. Aliens. Aliens. His imagination. His imagination. The succubus. Was blowing him at the same mm. time. <laughs> that wouldn't be the worst, I so suppose. The network have turned him into this religious prophet now. Yeah, it's almost like a televangelist, basically, isn't he? Because they know it'll sell. I'll read to you his next. Oh, please do, yeah. Rant. Edward George Ruddy died today. Edward George Ruddy was the chairman of the board of the Union Broadcasting System and he died at 11 o'clock this morning of a heart condition and woe is us. We're in a lot of trouble. So a rich little man with white hair died. And what does that have to do with the price of rice, right? And why is that woe to us? Because you people and 62, other, 62 million other Americans are listening to me right now. Because less than 3% of you people read books because less than 15% of you read newspapers. Because the only truth you know is what you get over this tube. Right now, there is a whole entire generation that never knew anything that didn't come out of this tube. How true is that? true. Even more so now. Well, that's changed to social media now, though, hasn't it? It's become YouTube now, yeah. isn't it? If it's yeah. not on YouTube, kids nowadays that's don't it. have a fucking clue, do they? Yeah. It's Facebook. 
It's YouTube. Yeah. It's Twitter. TikTok. TikTok. It's changed, yeah. It's the it's television. Little, it's the medium's changed a little bit, but it, it, it's true as ever, though. Channels are now fighting against the internet constantly. Aren't they? Yeah. Well, they're all becoming the internet. <laughs> that, that's what they're doing now, isn't it? Yeah. Live streaming, every fucking network's got it now. And, you, and YouTube have now sort of rigged the... What do you call it? Uh, algorithms. Algorithms. So that they take it to the... What they call it? Papa New, well, Papa News sources, they call it. Mm. Like Fox News and all that. They include Fox News in it. Do they include the Daily Mail? I don't know about the Daily Mail. I doubt that one, yeah. Yeah, me too. Mm. Well, to continue quoting Harold, this tube is the gospel, the ultimate revelation. This tube can make presidents, can make or break presidents, popes, prime ministers. This tube is the most awesome goddamn force in the whole godless world. And woe is us if it ever falls into the hands of the wrong people. And that's woe is us that Edward George Ruddy died. Because this company is now in the hands of CCA, the Communication Corporation of America. There's a new chairman of the board, a man called Frank Hackett sitting in Mr. Ruddy's office on the 20th floor, and when the 12th largest company in the world controls the most awesome goddamn propaganda force in the whole godless world, who knows what shit will be peddled for truth on this network. So you listen to me. Listen to me. Television is not the truth. Television is a goddamn amusement park. Television is a circus, a carnival, a travelling troupe of acrobats, storytellers, dancers, singers, jugglers, sideshow freaks, lion tamers and football players. We're in the boredom killing business, so if you want the truth, go to God. Go to your gurus. Go to yourselves, because that's the only place you're ever going to find any real truth. But man, you're never going to get any truth from us. We'll tell you anything you want to hear. We lie like hell. We'll tell you that Kojak always gets the killer and no one ever gets cancer in Archie Bunker's house. And no matter how much trouble the hero is in, don't worry. Just look at your watch. By the end of the hour, he's going to win. We'll tell you any shit you want to hear. We did in illusions, man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colours, creeds. We're all, you know, you're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. You're beginning to think the tube is reality and that your own lives are unreal. You do whatever the tube tells you. You dress like the tube. You eat like the tube. You raise your children like the tube. You even think like the tube. This is mass madness, you maniacs in God's name. You people are the real thing. We are not. We are the illusion. So turn off your television sets. Turn them off now. Turn them off now. Turn them off now and leave them off. Turn them off right in the middle of this sentence. I am speaking to you now. Turn them off. And then he collapses to the floor. Presumably because he spoke too fast and mm. got his breath. And the crowd started clapping. And <laughs> I thought he was sort of collapsing like one of, you know, when they, they talk in tongues. And yeah. I, think I thought he might have gone, I, there's a way of doing that. I'll have a practice mm. of that because it's very easy to do apparently. It's just a bit of practice. I think there's a bit of that as well. No, I, think, yeah, I think you're right. It's that caught up in the moment and he's getting all overheated. And oh my yeah, yeah, and I think it's overwhelming <laughs> to his body and he collapses or he's just very good. I don't know. I Maybe it's. I think it's yeah. that the, the earlier passing out is setting up that that when he gets these visions, these moments of clarity that he then project, it's like it's almost like a connection's broken and he drops. Mm. I think is is what I think. How, but he's probably just speaking too fast and saying too much and not taking his breath and getting himself worked up and overheated. Yeah, he's an old man. Bit, I think it's a bit of that as well. Yeah, the televangelist things could be just showmanship. 
more likely. I mean, like, uh, all that ever is. you know, like yeah. when James Brown had finished his yeah. set and he'd just dropped down onto yeah. one knee and somebody's put his cape on him. Yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah, but of all that, I think. Yeah, but he was about 90 and he was always physically knackered by the end of it. He wasn't 90. <laughs> Not far off, though, and he was still <laughs> performing, wasn't he? At this point, Hackett's a very happy boy, isn't he? Yeah, because he's literally there making his report to the senior executives on the board gloating about an increase in projected initial programming revenues in the event of $21 due to the phenomenal success of the Howard Beale show. I expect a positive cash flow for the entire complex of $45 million achievable in this fiscal year, in short, ahead of schedule. So, wow, most significant profit centre of the communications complex. He's turned the news into a profit-making scheme now. Yeah. Everyone's getting fat. Everyone's getting their cut of the shareholders' money. Everyone's happy. It doesn't matter what Arabeel's saying, it doesn't matter how much of a circus it all is. It's all they care about, isn't it? It's short-term profits. Yep. Now, following the funeral services for Edward George Ruddy, Max Schumacher is reacquainted with Diana as she hails a taxi and they head downtown for a cup of coffee. And he says, I, I wish I'd, you know, I've thought many times of calling you, he says, I wish you had. It was Sybil the soothsayer that said she'd get involved with a craggy middle-aged man after their one many splendid night. He still can't get her out of his mind, even though he took his show away from him. Well, yeah, Max's he's been wife, fight, he's been fine, hasn't he? Yeah. Mm. They begin their affair with a weekend together by the beach at the Sea Spray Inn, while Max's wife is out of town with her pregnant daughter in Seattle. Yeah. One weekend, one night by the in a Sea Spray Inn. Yeah. One magical night. Mm. That's it, then they're together then, aren't they? Yeah. He pretty much moves in with her, doesn't he? Yeah, he goes to his wife, doesn't he, and says, look, I'm... eventually he says that he's in love with her. Mm. Yeah, he, out of him. he calls the relationship a transient thing and a menopause and infatuation to his wife for 25 years. She's, she berates him for his unfaithfulness and love for Diana in a famous Oscar-winning monologue. Which obviously I will read, but uh, obviously I'm not a woman, so it's not going to seem like coming out of my mouth. Claire, do you want a fancy stab at it? Or? Then get out. Go anywhere you want. Go to a hotel. Go live with her. But don't come back, because after 25 years of building a home and raising a family and all the senseless pain we have inflicted on each other, I'm damned if I'm going to stand here and have you tell me you're in love with somebody else, because it isn't... It isn't what? A it convention isn't weekend. A convention weekend with your secretary, secretary, is it? Or some broad that you picked up after uh, three bells of booze. <laughs> this is your great winter romance, isn't it? Your last roar of passion before you settle um, into your... What? Emeritus. Emeritus years? What's that meant to me? Your retirement. Oh, right, okay. Is that what's left for me? Is that my share? She gets uh, the winter passion and I get the dotage. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to sit home knitting and purling while you slink back like some penitent drunk? I'm your wife. Damn it. And if you can't work up a winter passion for me, the least I require is your respect and your allegiance. Allegiance. She sobs. I am hurt, and don't you and don't you understand that? I'm hurt badly. <laughs> Fair play, well done. And the Oscar goes to me. I've cocked it up. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, it was still pretty good. It didn't. It wasn't right. I read it. She had plenty of practice, so 
Yeah, yeah she had a lot more practice than you did. I just spilled yeah. that on you, Claire, to be fair. Because I didn't mm. think it was right, I read it. I think there's no emotion from him, though, at all. He's just like, like when she's like coaxing yeah. it out of him, she's like, I don't love it, and all this, like, he's just like, yeah, That's yeah. why he didn't win an Oscar. He knows, yeah. yeah. I think I am, yeah. <laughs> he knows it's doomed to failure, though. He he's, says it himself. He says, his, she has like a little script. He just, yeah. he says, she's got to plan it like a TV show. He don't give a flying fuck. He's got some young fucking hottie. Yeah, he's that's like, it, isn't it? He's yeah, waiting the options. Well, I ain't gonna last forever, but I'm gonna have to be fun while I can. Yeah, he don't give two shit. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, he, 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 I think there's a an ashamedness to him as he stands there and tells her. Yeah, that's about it. His though. shoulders are down. You know, his head's down a little bit. That is about it. Yeah, you know, but I think she looks like like you know, fair play to get getting the the award for for that because she showed all the emotion. Yeah, yeah she was good. You know. It was the supporting bit in that scene. Yeah, yeah. Just made her look better, shine. doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It made her shine even more. Yeah. Well, he says, you know, she says, she, she asks him whether Diana loves him, and Max Schumacher tells his wife about Diana's soulless, amoral, and heartless feelings because she's definitely got probably she she's got no emotion, has she? She's she was told she felt like a man. She got a climax and fucked off. Yeah. You know, she's soulless. All she cares about is her work. Yeah. Max says. I'm not sure she's capable of any real feelings. She's a television generation. She learned from Bugs Bunny. The only reality she knows comes to her from over the TV set. She has very carefully devised a number of scenarios for us all to play, like a movie of the week, and my God, look at us, Louise. Here we are going through the obligatory middle of Act 2, scorned wife throws peckant husband out scene. But don't worry, I'll come back to you in the end. All of her plot outlines have me leaving her and coming back to you because the audience won't buy a rejection of the happy American family. She does have one script in which I kill myself, an adapted for television version of, of Anna Karina, where she's Kim Frosky and I'm Anna. <laughs> you see, I like how he tries to throw a little bit of humour in there to cope with the situation. <laughs> to be fair, I just want to point out, I think this movie is fantastically written. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. isn't it? The script is... Don't write scripts like this anymore. No. It was just a shame that the first 20 minutes was slow as fook. So... Personally, I'd have turned it off before mm. that 20 minutes had finished. I think Claire would have as well. I'd probably fell asleep. <laughs> <laughs> but you guys, like, you know, watching it with me, so I was just like... Yeah, the oh. only reason I watched it is because you, you came to my house to watch it, so yeah. I had to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> so, but no, I, I would have never chosen to watch no. it. But once I got into it and it got to, like, this stage of it, mm -hmm. I was... I was watching it. You invested in it. That yeah, point. yeah. I wasn't enjoying it, mm -hmm. but I wasn't not enjoying it. It was just a... Yeah, I'm, mm. I'm glad I watched it. Yeah. But that's it. Mm -hmm. As far as it goes. Yeah. It's not like I, I won't watch it again. No. <laughs> it's one of them. Once <laughs> is enough, thanks. <laughs> Fair enough. Is it one of the most films outrageous scenes in the farmhouse of the Ecumenical Liberation Army Lawyers and agents are discussing legal, legalese contracts regarding their interpretations of production fees with the great Ahmed Khan and Laureen, who's one of the... Who's one of the, the, the... She's like the number two, isn't she? Mm. The, and you've got Lance Henriksen. Yes. He's in the room. Yeah. He speak, but he's like one of the lawyers or something. They're just... Basically, they're like just discussing their fees and Laureen Lauren refuses to lower her distribution charges. <laughs> When Mary Ann Gifford and Lorena are embroiled in an argument and Gifford yells, you fucking fascist, <laughs> Khan fires his pistol into the air to silence both of them and says, man, give her the fucking overhead clause. <laughs> it's like, 
you know, all of a sudden they become very fucking savvy in negotiating contracts, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, it's like they're meant to be communists. You know what I mean? It's meant, not meant to be about the money. It's meant to be about the principles. And so the people is the, yeah. the community, the, the party. It's like totally sad. These fuckers are just sold out within like three weeks. Within three weeks, they lasted three weeks as communists. <laughs> Incredible. Mind you, the, the Marxist wing of the BLM didn't do much better than that either, did they, to be fair? The ones who said, oh, we're trained Marxists, and then they ended up living in a fucking mansion provided by donations. I don't know, I don't know. Yeah, that yeah. happened. Yeah, so. Better yeah. throw a bit of money at anyone and their principles will vanish. Sad thing, isn't it? It's is tragic. Mm. I'm a TV person in the bar and the cocktail area of a ballroom. The Howard, be oh, the ballroom, and having another meeting. We've the, they're saying that we've got the number one show in television. Yeah, they had their annual meeting, didn't they? Yeah, and in, in a TV bar in a cocktail area, the ballroom, the Howard Beale show is being broadcast. During the show, the Mad Prophet criticizes the growing economic takeover power of Arabs, who are conspiratorially buying up parts of the U.S. In fact, the conglomerate slash corporation that owns Beale's network is tied to Arab interests. So, I don't know if you could get away with doing this today. He's basically giving too Maybe much because it's, it's still true. Yeah. Saudi Arabia own a lot of America. They do. Like, but at this point, he's giving out too much truth and they don't like it, do they? No, they don't. Because he wants to stop the deal getting through, so he wants right to cut the president and all that and block it. Simultaneously, Frank Hackett speaks on the phone with an executive in New York City who has become disturbed by the effectiveness of the evening's Howard Beale show. Basically, Howard says, I don't want the Americans buying my, buying my country. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. Yep. I don't want the banks selling my countries to arms. I want the CCA deal stopped. And he says, I, write the, I want a million telegrams in the White House. I want them wading knee-deep in telegrams in the White House. Yep. You know. So he's fucking things up now. Yeah. Certainly trying to, anyway. Yeah. Well, they, they respond, they send the telegrams, don't they? Yep. And it works. That's it. To the general counsel of the network, Walter Abmanson, is told by Frank Hackett about the knowledge of the CCA deal with the Saudis, saying that they got $2 billion in loans with the Saudis and, and they hold every pledge you've got. We need that Saudi money bad. A disaster. The show is a disaster, unmitigated disaster. The death and I'm ruined, I'm dead, I'm finished. So he's like, they've got, they owe the Saudis $2 billion. He's been buying, we made 24 million earlier. Now we're 2 billion in the shit because the Saudis are going to cash that, they want that back. Yeah. Because he's just gone on stage and said, What? Don't want the Saudis out in the news? Don't want the Saudis out in the news, don't want them owning this company. They're buying our country. Mm. Ain't going to happen now, and you're 2 billion in debt to a Saudi oil baron. And now your show is number one show on television. So what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> what can you do? You've got the number one show on TV. But you've also got a bunch of very pissed off wealthy Arabs. And Hackett wants him fired, he wants him gone. He says he's going to impale the son of a bitch with a sharp stick through the heart. <laughs> I'll strangle him with a sash cord. <laughs> I'll, take, I'll take a contract on him, I'll hire professional killers. <laughs> Hackett and Beale are summoned back to New York on a red-eye flight to meet with Jensen, the UBS chairman of the board, in the CCA building the next morning. And Howard, who's a bit mad, Accompanies Hackett up the stairs, crying out with his arms upraised. The final revelation is at hand. I have seen the shattering fulgurations of ultimate clarity. The light is impending, and I bear witness to the light. <laughs> <laughs> he says, I'm as mad as a hatter. I'm as mad as a hatter. 
But the, the problem is the all-conjured corporate pitch man and business magnate Arthur Jensen summons Beale into his imposing conference room called Valhalla. Well, that's, that's mm. quite imposing. Mm. He says to him, they say I can sell anything. I'd like to try and sell something to you. Jensen devastates Beale with an evangelical lecture, a hypnotic spellbinding, convincing, godlike, oratorical speech, mocking Beale's own style. Yeah, still a brilliant speech. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature, Mr. Beale, and I won't have it. Is that clear? You think you may have merely stopped a business deal. That is not the case. The Arabs have taken billions of dollars out of this country and now they must put it back. It is ebb and flow, tidal gravity. It is ecological balance. You're an old man who thinks in terms of nations and peoples. There are no nations, there are no people, there are no Russians and there are no Arabs, there are no third worlds, there is no West. There is only holistic system of systems. One vast and a main interwoven, interacting, multivariant, multinational domination of dollars, petrodollars, electrodollars, multi-dollars, Reichsmarks, rins, rubles, pounds and shekels. It is the international system of currency which determines the totality of life on this planet. That is the natural order of things today. That is the atomic and subatomic and galactic structure of things today. And you have meddled with the primal forces of nature and you will atone. He pauses for a moment and speaks normally with a question to Beale, but then continues. Am I getting through to you, Mr. Beale? You get up there on your little 21-inch screen and howl about America and democracy. There is no America. There is no democracy. There is only IBM and ITT and AT&T and DuPont, Dow, Union Carbide and Exxon. And Amazon and Facebook. <laughs> that's what yeah, they are yeah, now, yeah. Disney. Yeah, Disney, that's well up there now, isn't it? Those are the nations of the world today. What do you think the Russians talk about in their councils of state? Karl Marx? They get out their linear programming charge, statistical decision theories and mini-max solutions and compute the price-cost possibilities of their transactions and investments just like we do. We no longer live in the world of nations and ideologies, Mr. Beale. The world is a college of corporations, inexorably determined by the immutable bylaws of business. The world is a business, Mr. Beale. It has since manned, crawled out of the slime and our children will live, Mr. Beale, to see the perfect world in which there's no war or famine, oppression or brutality. One vast and ecumenical holding company for whom all men will work to serve a common profit in which all men will hold a sterile stock. All necessities provided, all anxieties tranquilised, all boredom amused, and I've chosen you to preach this evangel, Mr. Beale. So he's like, what all he wants, isn't that like slightly communist, everyone's got a share in the company? No, it's still about profit though, isn't it? Well, yeah, but everything... It sounds horrific. Can it sounds terrible. If you say it was just Amazon, that's a great example. Amazon owned everything. We all work for Amazon. That would be shat. That would be a terrible employer. They set the wages, whatever they want. Yeah. No competition. We've got to buy Amazon goods. That's all we can buy. Yeah. Can't happen, mate. That kind of thing will happen, whether it's Amazon or whoever. It will happen. God, imagine Disney owned the world and we won't have to wear Mickey Mouse ears all the time. We know, but is it, there are no countries now that are, they are owned by corporations. They own, they make the laws, they make the decisions now. Especially in America, it's completely owned by the oligarchy. It's owned by corporations who own politicians, isn't it? Yeah, billionaires, yeah, who own companies. You know, you want to dump your, you want to dump your waste in the town's drinking water. 
You know, you stick the congressman on the board of the company and explain how it's going to cost you millions if you have to use that shitty water instead of the good water. Or you can't dump your waste wherever you want to dump it. It's going to cost you money. Well, he's seeing the profits of that company now. So it's in his vested interest to make himself wealthy. What was the car company in... Flint, Michigan. Flint, Michigan. I believe... I could be Ford? wrong. I think it might be GM. GM? One of the they two. It's one of the, the big water, American boys. Hmm? Diverted the water. Yeah. Give the town the polluted water and took the to good clean, water for themselves. To clean the cars because the cars were getting rusty and the, the ship water. And then all the kids have got lead poisoning. Yeah. But it's a bit like the film Don't Look Up. Yes. The, um, the rich guy, the tech genius yeah. in that. Yeah. Turns out he basically, he, he's got power over the president. That's it. Yeah. You know of course Of course they have. That's the world we live in. Another truth bomb. <laughs> when Beale asks why me, Jensen replies, because you're on television, dummy. 60 million people watch you every night of the week, Monday through Friday. And Beale says, I've seen the face of God. Yeah, you might just you might, just might be right, Mr. Beale. He's like, I'm God. Yeah. I'm God in your world. I'm telling I'm God you what in to this say world, that. he is. Yeah. He is. He's one of the gods, one of the titans. Now, terrified, Beale is pressurised and forced by Jensen to start preaching about dehumanisation and the death of democracy. He returns to the airwaves to preach Jensen's corporate tooth, championing corporate rather than individual human rights. This is where his speech changes then, isn't it? Yeah. Last night, I got up here and I asked you people to stand up and fight for your heritage and you did. It was beautiful. Six million telegrams were received at the White House. The Arab takeover of CCA has been stopped. The people spoke, the people won. It was a raging eruption of democracy. But I think that was it, fellas. That sort of thing is not likely to happen <laughs> again. Because at the bottom of all our terrified souls, we all know that democracy is a gi dying giant. A sick, sick, dying, decaying political concept writhing in its final pain. I don't mean the United States is finished as a world power. The United States is the richest and the most powerful and the most advanced country in the world. Light years ahead of any other country. And I don't mean the communists are going to take over the world because the communists are deader than we are. Again, another one that you predicted. Mm. What is finished is the idea that this great country is dedicated to the freedom and flourishing of every individual in it. It's the individual that's finished. It's a single, solitary human being that's finished. It's every single one of you out there that's finished because this is no longer a nation of independent individuals. It's a nation of some 200 odd million transistorized, deoserized, wiser than white, steel belted bodies, totally unnecessary as a human being and as replaceable as piston rods. Well, the time has come to say, is dehumanization just a bad word? <laughs> Whether it's good or bad, that's what it is. So, well, that's what it is. So, the whole world is becoming humanoid creatures that look human but aren't. The whole world, not just us, we're just the most advanced in the country, so we're getting there first. The whole world's people are going mass-produced, programmed-numbered, insensate things. The problem is, after that little speech... It turns out the American public don't want to be... They don't want to hear that. No. no. They're not interested in that. They like what we were saying before. <laughs> Stand up against the rich and yeah. the powerful. Now it's like the rich and the powerful have said to their bad prophet. Yeah. Now, now, you're, you're just ending your soulless herd. Your point, what's, what's the point? They already own everything, they've won. Don't fight it. Yeah. Tragic. So they're panicking now because the ratings are going down. They are. They're plummeting. Yeah. <laughs> they've, they've plummeted yeah. very quickly. They certainly have. And then... It's still 11 points after the first week because he's just going on stage doing the corporate line. And the Liberation Army, whatever they're called, they're panicking now because his ratings are dragging theirs down. Mm. 
They're losing all their... Well, anyone affiliated with them, yeah. that's it now. They're, they're getting drugged through the mud. Yeah, at this point, Max and Diana split up. It's over. It's finished. They've had their whirlwind romance. Yeah. He leaves. He goes back to his wife. Yep, he tells her she's an empty person. You're madness. to joy. Everything you touch dies with you, but not me. Not as long as I can feel pleasure and pain and love. And it's a happy ending. Wayward husband comes to his senses, returns to his wife, with whom he's established a long and sustaining love. Heartless young woman left alone in her arctic desolation. They hold an emergency production meeting, the network officials, mm -hmm. to kill Beal on camera to save the network. <laughs> because the boss, the big boss, he won't sack him. He says, keep him on the air, don't care about... It's bad ratings and it's nothing to do with Beal. It's your bad management. He's blaming Hackett now and everybody, yeah. and all of a sudden their lives turned to shit. Shit's rolling down and it's landed yeah. squarely on them. And they can't fire him because he won't let them. Yeah. So what? What? their only other choice is to kill him. And they decide to do it on air, so at least get some ratings. ratings. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they hire the members of the, the radical... The Ecumenical Liberation yeah. Army, who sold out there in the corporate pocket now. <laughs> And she reckons she can die says, I can get him to do it. In fact, it'll make a hell of a kick-off show for the season. As they conspire together, they come into capital crime by killing the son of a bitch. A long line of waiting audience members paraded the building to the show. In the final shocking scene after the Howard Beale segment is introduced, the news anchor is gunned down by two revolutionary radicals in the audience who have been hi hired by the network to do away with him. I'm pretty sure one of them's Tim Robbins. I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Paul Robbins has publicly stated he did not appear in the film. Ah, okay. So it Robbins, wasn't him then? Yeah, Robbins was asked to confirm or deny the statement you killed Howard Beale. Like and he replied, I deny that. That's a pretty pervasive rumour and I wish it were true. Because a lot of people say my first movie was Network and that's a pretty damn good way to start. <laughs> the guy looks a lot like me, but no, I was only 17 at the time and I hadn't even started in the business. Ah, uh, shit. Looks a lot like him. <laughs> and then we cut to The Show Must Go On. Shouldn't it? Jack Snowden, a newsman substituting for Howard Beale, is displayed on one of four monitors as a bank of TV screens as he delivers the news story. Snowden's words are dwarfed by simultaneously running commercials. That's the same what they do now, isn't it? Yep. This is coming up next. Mm -hmm. The network news anchorman on the UBS network show, known to millions as the mad prophet of the airways, was shot to death tonight in a fusillade of automatic rifle fire. Just as began this evening's broadcast. It wasn't automatic rifle fire, though, was it? I believe it's one was a, an it's Uzi. A Magnum and one was an Uzi. So you just, <laughs> it's not rival fire now, so but it's... they're starting off how they mean to go on by lying to the public. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this extraordinary incident occurred in full view of his billions of viewers. The assassins are in the me are members of a terrorist group called the Ecumenical Liberation Army, two of whom were apprehended. The leader of this group, known as the Great Ahmed Khan, escaped. They let him escape. Yeah. They arrested the, the guy who looked like Tim Robbins. They arrested Robbins. Tim Robbins. <laughs> Tim Robbins' clone. The final epitaph for the story is this is the story of Howard Beale, the first known instance of a man who was killed because he had lousy ratings. <laughs> well, I, I think it's a masterpiece of a film, I do. It's very good. I, I did enjoy it. Simply because it's, so it's, it's what's happened, isn't it? It's like, wow, this was 1970. <laughs> 1976. 1976, well, they've, they've got that. They've got that down, haven't they? <laughs> Hit the nail on the head, yeah. haven't they? Yeah. yeah. They could easily remake it, couldn't they? Well, yeah, but it wouldn't be shocking. It was shocking at them days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because basically they just said, look, we can see what's happening with all these corporations buying up the news 
and wanted to make it for profit. So they extrapolated and said, what's the maddest thing we can think of? And how were they to know that it was, well, maybe they did. I do think Trump's pre- presidency, mm. it, it, there's a lot, of, a lot of things within this film kind of sounded like what's been going on with his pre- presidency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the impeachments that he's been going through when he, when he rallied the troops to uh, essentially raid fucking the capital bloody building and yeah. things like that. He got everyone yeah. to send fucking telegrams, wasn't it, to the White House and things mm. like that. Obviously, in them days, it was very different, but nowadays, it's just a quick tweet. He was telling the truth. He was saying, look, the, the, these people, I, I donate money to them, and they do whatever I want for them. Because they, they're all sellouts, all these mm. people in government. we got to drain the swamp. Yeah. He was right about that, too. Yeah. Know? Obviously, he was never gunny because he was part of the swamp. He was the swamp monster. <laughs> <laughs> I'd watched all Trump's swamp thing. I think there's lots. He still, of, have, he still have the hair. <laughs> I think there's lots of accidental predictions in this, isn't mm. there? Not not actual predictions, but things that are very similar to what have happened and what's going on yeah, now yeah, and yeah, things yeah. like that. There's a lot of that in this, and you think this is nearly fifty years old? Mad in it. Christ, fifty years. 1970 doesn't seem that far away, really, does it? No. Three years, it's 50 years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it certainly got a lot of things right. All right, so, um, you know, in 1980... Yeah. No, yeah, doesn't actually, seem... I wasn't alive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, you know, the year 1980. Yes. The year 1980. 57, com- 50, sorry, con- companies controlled the media in America. Mm-hmm. Wow. 50. 50. So, 42 years ago, nearly 43 years ago, 43 years ago, 50 companies controlled the media in America. If you fast forward to 2011, American newsettes are controlled by six powerful corporations. Wow. They control a whopping 90% of what we read, watch or listen to. GE, they own Comcast, NBC, Universal Pictures and Focus Features. News Corp, they own a lot, but the most notable are Fox, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Post. Disney, that fucking mouse. (laughs) ABC, ESPN, Pixar, Miramax, Marvel Studios. Although they managed to ru- ruin Marvel right now. Viacom, most notable properties, MTV, Nick Jr., Bet, CMT, Paramount Pictures. That reminds me of um, Austin Powers, isn't it? What's that? Viacom. Viacom. Yeah, I'm not sure it's exactly the same name, but... Could have been. I don't know, I can't remember that film at all. No, it's been a long time since I've seen it. Vichicom, it was called, that's yeah. Time Warner, they own CNN, HBO, Time and Warner Brothers and the DC Universe. CBS, they own Showtime, the Smithsonian Channel, NFL.com, Jeopardy and 60 Minutes. Oh, I don't like CBS the most. 232 media executives control the information diet of 277 million Americans. Mm. That's one media executive to 850,000 subscribers. They wonder why no one trusts the mainstream news. Mad, mate. Yeah. In the UK, obviously, we have our own issues. Yep. In March 2021, it showed that just three companies, News UK, Daily Mail Group and Reach, dominate 90% of the national newspaper market, which is up from 20... Sorry. It's up from 71% in 2015. When online readers are included, three companies... News UK, Daily, Daily Mail Group and Reach 
dominate 80% of the market. How can they tell? Just by the, the, the traffic coming through. No, they own the newspapers. They own all, these three companies own 90% of the newspapers. Oh, right, okay. Yeah. As immediate ownership. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the National News yes, Market, yeah. And, they're owned by, and these companies are owned by billionaires. So for 90% of the newspapers, all you're getting is billionaire propaganda mm. telling you what to think. It benefits them and not us. I was a bit... Um, yeah, yeah, I was fine. thinking about ratings. Like, you know, um, the, right, no. the, the, the film was a lot about ratings, wasn't it? Oh, so you got the BBC. Let's not forget Anti. Yeah. But you get the last two licence deals. You know, they were, no, the licence fees... A joke, really. But then again, the BBC, who's the, the general of the BBC? It's an elite person, isn't it? It's, it's a Tory, isn't it? It's yeah. one of Boris's donors. So, you know, even the BBC are compromised as well. Mm. It's an issue. Obviously, that's not to get Rupert Murdoch. Mm. You know? Owner of The Sun in this country, The Sun newspaper. Well, that's not been doing so well recently, has it? I don't like it. In no. all fairness, it's, it's media should be free. And you've got billionaires doing it too, Elon Musk. He's got Twitter now. How and why should it be free though? In, in, you know, people need to earn money to go and take the pictures or write the reports and no, write, no, write news articles. No, you know, it's... I mean a free media as in yeah. like, they shouldn't be controlled by, right, yeah, yeah, by yeah. billionaires and corporations. Not all of it. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It should have a wide political spectrum, shouldn't it? So everybody's yeah, yeah. voice is heard. All you're getting is their voice over everyone else's. And they've got an agenda. They've got an agenda to keep them on top, us below, keep them rich and get them even richer and us be even poorer. Well, buy their shit. That's the whole thing I don't understand is how poor do they want to make us because we're about to buy the tat that they're peddling us anyway. There'll always be money for tat. It's in their best interest. Then again, they control the food, they control the water, they control everything that we need that to live. Well, that bloke from Nestle said that water wasn't a human right, didn't he? Nestle are fucking evil, man. Oh, yeah. We did one on Nestle, didn't we? No, yeah, we did mention Nestle. Corporation giants before, didn't we? Jeff Bezos owns the Washington Post now. Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch, yeah. The Times, the Sunday Times, the Sun, Fox News, the Wall Street Journal, the New York Post, several Australian titles. That's off here, Mark Zuckerberg, the Zuck. Facebook, Instagram, WhatsApp. He's got all three now. Yeah. Doesn't he own YouTube? Am I imagining that? I think you're imagining that one. I know Google bought YouTube, didn't they? Someone yes, bought they YouTube. Google. 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 You got the Le Debs. Fuck me, he's a Russian oligarch and former KGB spy. Yep. He owns the Navalny Gazetta, which is obviously a Russian paper, the Evening Standard, and the Independent. <laughs> bought the Standard for a quid and the bought the Independent for a quid. The Independent. He's owned by a KGB, a former KGB star spy. How funny is that? It's mad, isn't it? The Independent being owned by a KGB spy. How did he buy it for a quid? It must have been skint. What, the paper was skint? Yeah. Right? They're all losing money now, aren't they? Yeah, pa newspapers are a dying medium. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they keep going because it's propaganda still. And the BBC and all the other news channels, where do they get, where do they leave from? They leave from the papers, don't they? Yeah. What's in the papers? Start off at the local level, filters up to the big boys, and the BBC will piggyback on it. Lord Rothmere owns Daily Mail, Mail on Sunday, Metro, and the Eye. Metro bullshit, innit? Yeah, Metro shit. The Barclay Brothers, The Telegraph, and The Spectator. They bought that in two thousand and four. 
Billionaire consortium owns The Economist. Billionaire family from Italy, Anginelli. The other shareholders are a collection of ultra-wealthy families, the Cadbury's, the Rothschilds and the Schroders. Obviously Cadbury's do the chocolate, the Rothschilds do banks and the Schroders do banks too. So there you go, the media's corrupt as hell. We're the real media, listen to us. <sighs> but it just goes to show that, you know, Network predicted this in a way, didn't it? And it it's pathetic it's, in a way. It's spot on with it. So what you rate it as, because it's 8.1 IMDb, I will give it an 8. Round 8. Yeah, I think it deserves an 8. I'll give it an 8 as well, yeah. I'm going to give it a 7 because it just wasn't very gripping. Yeah. I'm going to give it a 6.8 purely because they could have made it easily half an hour shorter. There was a lot of bits in it that didn't really need to be in it and it would have probably helped. I agree with you. I didn't get the affair storyline. Yeah. I didn't think that was completely and I necessary. I just chucked in the side and to the don't, don't get me wrong, it gave her an Oscar. Yeah, Faye Dunaway was great in that film and hot as hell. She's an attractive woman. Max's wife gave her an Oscar. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like the, the stretched out bits, it did help in some ways, but I don't know. She's trying to... Well, it was trying to make more of the story yeah. out of it, wasn't it? Yeah. That was it. But, yeah, I just do... I, that's the only reason it's mm. just that little bit. Fair it's enough, that slow yeah. start. 6.8 slow start. Could have done without it. Fair enough. All right. I think Howard Beale, the, the guy who played it. Yeah, he stole the show. He was amazing. Yeah. It's shame, he, shame he had to have the first posthumous mm. Oscar, really. Yeah. It's he shame was, he didn't, didn't get to receive it in person. Yeah. Fantastic in that film, absolutely. The well, rants were delivered brilliantly. Well loved them. Like you yeah. say, Ben, the writing is amazing, isn't it? Yeah. Flawless, really. Yeah, yeah, I'll give you that. The script was brilliant. Yeah. You'd understand why any actor or actress would have, at the time, oh. read that and gone, "Wow, <laughs> yeah, yeah." Can I be? Can I be the nutter? Yeah, <laughs> but you could really get your teeth into that character, of course. Yeah. You know, even I tried it, and I'm not an actor. Mm. More yeah, truth bombs in this film than any other. I think. There is, yeah, absolutely, it's prophetic, like I say. All right, should we call that a night? Yeah. Thank you very much for listening. You can, I just have to say, because I didn't say at the start, you can follow us on Facebook at Cutting Through the Bull in the Post Truth Apocalypse. No, yes, you can. Cutting Through the Bull in the Post Truth Apocalypse. We've got some new followers this month. Thank you very much. If you yeah, followed us, you. keep doing it, tell your friends. YouTube is Apocalypse Ball. Like and subscribe if you wouldn't mind. And we're on SoundCloud and most other podcasting platforms as Cutting Through the Bull in the PTA. And as always, I've been Ben. Don't join the flavour aid, don't join the cult. I've been Mike. Thanks for listening. Peace out. May the force be with you. I've been Claire. Keep an open mind, but not so open that it spills out your ears. And I've been Pete. Everyone enjoy the rest of your week. Take care. Adios.